Okay. The Westport Library, the Westport Playhouse, the Quick Center for the Arts is proud to present Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with me, Migs Burroughs. And I'm Trace Burroughs. And uh, if you like the show today, please write a review and tell your friends about it. Today we have Sandra Bernhardt on our show, which is, she's a She's done that so many things. <laughs> she goes back in my memory, back to the 70s. And everyone knows her for something different because she does a lot of different things. She does movies, television. She does one-woman shows. Books. She has albums. She has books. So uh, just, just to get it, just to mention this up front, she's playing at the Westport Country Playhouse on March 12th. And go out and buy a ticket for that show because it's going to be a lot of fun. Go to westportplayhouse.org. Westportplayhouse.org. If you buy tickets, you can also subscribe for season tickets. You can buy single tickets. But Sandra's kicking us. Is it Sandra or Sandra? I've always said whatever you feel like. And sometimes a lot of times now it's Sandy. So whatever you feel like. Whatever whatever you're in the mood for. Some people Uh, are very. I mean, it's spelled Sandra, but. Yeah. Yeah, over the years, people have said Sandra, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just not, you know, I'm not picky about my name. Oh, that's good. Some people are. I, I know who I am. <laughs> that's, that's good. What else matters? <laughs> Ultimately, right? And that's that's the key to your comedy, I think. You know who you are. And yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so uh, you like a unlike many performers some performers are like this kind or that and you you do all kinds of different things do you have a another like for movie parts let's say i know like for instance i'll just give an example david wayne who was an actor from back in the day he he had a his nemesis was burgess meredith because they're both small short nebishy guys and and he always and Burgess Meredith always got parts that David Wayne wanted to get and vice versa, I guess. Is there any other actress like out in the world there that you feel uh, You're up gets, my, gets my roles? That's my nemesis. Yeah, your nemesis. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't do that many movies. I'd like to do more movies, but um, I feel like when they come to me, it's because they want me and yeah. You know, Again, I feel like I'm a unique performer and a unique person. And I mean, yeah, there's always times when you go, oh, I, I think I could have done that that role better or I could have done that role, period. But, you know, sometimes you just miss out on the opportunity. They're, they want on a certain person that that person's at a certain point in their career. Um, they bring a certain, you know, um, level of visibility to that you might not at a certain point you know you just I don't know you just sort of learn how to roll with the punches and that's why I've managed to maintain my career over like well over 40 years and you know and still enjoy it and still try to be you know um imaginative and and unique and and the way I approach my my certainly my one-woman shows and um, anytime I've written projects that, that, that haven't necessarily gotten, you know, produced, I still enjoy the process. And that's really where it's at, you know, and you always, you know, I mean, I think if you're at a certain level as a, as a, as a performer, you're always going to make a living and do fine. Um, and I'm not like, I don't have a big footprint in terms of how I live my life. I'm really careful about that because 
environmentally and socially, I don't, I don't need a lot. So I'm not the kind of person who has to have a big, huge house or two houses or, I don't know. I mean, for who I am, I think I, I keep a pretty low profile. Um, and I'm proud of that because I feel like being in this business, it's very easy just to be grabby and constantly hustling and making money, 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 money. And then like spending it in, in egregious ways that I find offensive, you know? And so I just like to, I like to do what I do. Um, certainly live a great life and um, just not, not, not make people feel like conflicted about who I am as an artist. And I think that when you're too fabulous and too grand, especially in this day and age where everything is being constantly bombarded on social media, um, it's hard not to have people kind of respond and go, well, I thought you said a certain thing, but then you're living a different way. And, yeah. you know, I just think it's, I don't think it's, it's not where I want to be as a, as a person and certainly not as an artist either. So that's a long winded way of saying, I don't, I don't really feel like I'm missing out or somebody else is mm. taking anything from me. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's part of the authenticity. You're not building a uh, a false avatar around you. You're, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but do you? I'm curious about the Playhouse. This is this your second appearance at the Playhouse Westport? Have I've you, been there before. Well, they told me Michael Barker. Shout out to Michael Barker, the director. He said that your it's your return engagement. So I don't remember. Well, I mean, maybe, you know, I I know I've been. I listen. I I go back to a lot of venues, and I'm. When until I get there, I don't remember right. them necessarily. But I mean, it has a great reputation, and yeah. it's been a weird on again, off again year for me in terms of live performing, as it has for everybody. Um, I started to like do shows again late September, uh, October of this past year, and then I, was, I had a bunch of stuff booked. Um, well, it's certainly one, my, my Joe's Pub run booked in December and that fell apart like days before. And I was really like, I was really bummed out about that. So I haven't performed now since uh, October, November, December, January. I mean, February, it's, it's, yeah, it's four months, you know, you get, I mean, you get a little rusty. So this will be the first time back. And then other stuff is coming up. So I don't think I'll be performing again for a long time after this. So it's a one-off and, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm also coming out with um, an accompanist who's never played with me before, because normally my um, musical director comes in from L.A., but I wasn't going to fly him in for one gig. It's just too much. It's a waste of I might as well not do the gig, you know. Um, so this is a young player. Um, we rehearsed the other day. He seems talented, but it, I mean, it might not be as smooth and, and, you know, seamless as it is when I'm working with people. Who know my work so that said it'll be a, i think it'll be a really fun night and there's so much to talk about i mean besides the material i have written which is like voluminous and i won't even get to scratch the surface because i think the show is about an hour long um so you know i mean there's i don't know like in a week and a half from now i don't know what's going to be going on who knows i mean you're Certainly. kind of loosey-goosey about these things too, right? I mean, you're ready for... No, no I, I, I have a set show. I don't, I'm not loosey-goosey. I, I write material and 
I have pieces that lead in and out of music. And if I just want to like go out and just do my, you know, prescribed performance, I do that. There's always room for improvisation because things happen night to night. And some nights I really get on a roll, but that, I don't know, I'll have to see, but there's just a lot to address, you know, between, you know, um, COVID and uh, obviously the Ukrainian situation, which is heartbreaking and totally frustrating and insane. You know, so I'm sure I will touch on all those things because I think it's important when you're coming out of a situation that we've been in for two years to address what's in front of us. I mean, I can, my material is sort of built around the, um, around uh, the pandemic anyway, to a certain degree. But I, um, you know, day to day, there's just so much going on. And, and, and it's, I think right now it's important to address it. Do you ever, I'm curious, do you ever tweak your show to, you know, to the local community? Like you find out, you get a little dirt about Westport and find out the dog catcher's having an affair with the tree warden <laughs> or anything like that? <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, if I, sometimes if I'm in a big city that I've come back to and I have like an ongoing relationship with that, with that city, I might touch on something, but I don't think I'll have, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it depends what time I get there and if I, if I am. If I observe anything, but I won't do it. I'm not like gratuitous like that. You know, I don't necessarily talk about things that don't really impact me. Do you write your shows on your own or do you have a writing partner? No, I write my, I write all my own material. You workshop them like it's small, like clubs before you. No, no, Mm -mm. I don't. I I mean, I've stopped doing comedy clubs in in the eighties after I did King of Comedy. I don't, I don't. What I do doesn't, doesn't really work in a comedy club setting because it's they're, they're sitting through hours and hours and hours of so many different kinds of approaches to comedy yeah. that by the time you get up, even if people know you, it doesn't necessarily resonate. And I, after literally performing for 45 years, you either know what's funny or you don't. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes, like I said, things get a little bit rusty because you haven't gotten up, but that's, you know halfway through your, your, you hit your stride or maybe you hit your stride right away. It just depends on the, on the audience and where you're at, you know, energy wise. Yeah. Yeah. I love King of comedy. Um, one of my favorite movies, uh, cause, cause they, you know, uh, what's the word, um, didn't typecast De Niro, you know, it was against cast casting in the way to cast him as the uh, you know, the, the loser guy, though he was a loser, I guess in taxi, but this was a more, a uh, friendly loser. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> that's not, I don't know how friendly he was, but but how, yeah. what's it like for you being thrown into the? Because you were, you know, pretty new at the game, and all of a sudden you're you're with Jerry Lewis, you're with De Niro, you're with you know. Well, I, in, in my imaginations as a, as a performer, I always expected to work with the best people, so oh. it's always been more comfortable to me to work with people who have Im- immense talent than people who are just sort of like skirting around the periphery you know Mm. because usually the the really talented people are fun to work with and you learn so much from them and and they're intuitive so you know it was just it was I I felt at home I mean and respectful but you know it was just a great jumping off place for me I thought it was interesting and Joker that Todd Phillips kind of switched that whole thing around where now De Niro's the host and the Joker is like the uh, guy trying to make it. I don't know. It seems like a, a 
Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always like it's sort of like um you take you, you take what from from you know um cinematic history and turn it on its ear. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's fun to see that. You you credit Paul Mooney with uncovering you or discovering you. How did that happen? Um, well, I had gotten up the first night at a, at a literally a place called the Little Club in Beverly Hills when I was 19. <clears throat> and uh, the woman who brought me there knew Paul Mooney and my other friend, Lotus Weinstock, um, who was a comedian, had dated Lenny Bruce and was a singer songwriter. And the two of them were there that night and they became my two best friends. Lotus was my Jewish soul sister and Mooney was my black soul brother. <laughs> They were like family and siblings and parental figures. Um, and they so, so they kind of knew about me before they'd seen me. And then they just, we just all hit it off. And it was um, an incredible ride to be, to work with people who'd already been in the business for a long time and taught me so much and protected me and supported me and loved me. Um, in a way that you know you don't often get in this business <clears throat> so that was amazing yeah so they didn't try to mold you or send you to comedy school and say you know they just appre they appreciated who you that you're an original oh well people like that never would do that yeah, yeah. no yeah. any more than i would see a young talent and do that i would i might give them suggestions how to become you know more in touch with their their you know deeper selves but you that's that's the beauty of being a great performer and having a good eye you're always going to like you know support that person and help you know cultivate who they are through your career you know been you've been outspoken say outrageous things here and there did your parents ever like like get pissy rain you in don't why what are you doing or something? my parents were i mean first place it was a very different time i I mean, they didn't know what I was doing most of the time. I and, mean, you know, you could, nobody fouled you on social media in the, in the, yeah. in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, you know. And when they saw my the finished product of my work, whether it was a show or a movie or a TV show, they saw, you know, the outcome of my hard work and they were proud of me and excited for me. But I don't think I ever, I've ever said anything in my career that, you know, was gratuitous or stupid or, you know, just there for, you know, to get a reaction, to elicit a reaction. I, I mean, unless it was a reaction that needed to happen because somebody, I was critiquing somebody who was, to me, misbehaving uh, yeah. and not doing, you know, the best for, you know, culture and society. So that's part of being, you know, as all great social commentators, um, that's what you do. That's what your job is to, yeah, call, you to call people out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, and you, with your comments about Jerry Lewis, I mean, you make it clear you have the utmost respect for him as a comedian, but he was pretty old fashioned in his views of women. And you said he was, even in, in uh, that, that he was kind of uncomfortable when in the scene where you're kidnapping him, you know, with the gun, even though you're playing a part, but he, he didn't like you having that authority, I guess, right? You didn't. No, 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 no. And now recently in, in the new Vanity Fair, there's a, there's a big article about how he sexually harassed women. And, mm. you know, I mean, that comes as no surprise. Any man from that generation who was that egotistical and, you know, out of touch with themselves was 
that that would that would have been a given to me that they would have approached things in that way. Right. Yeah. Did you? Now you grew up in Flint. We're just curious because of a very well of rock and roll. Were you aware of the Grand Funk Railroad or Terry Knight? Anybody from Flint? I mean, you know, we left Flint when I was ten in 1965 and moved out to Arizona. So I think Grand Funk Railroad came came around after that. Okay. Um. But yeah, I mean, of course, I know, I know all the other players from from Flint as recently as Clarissa Shields, who like the 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 women's you know, I think midweight or heavyweight boxing champion, mm-hmm. um, and I also just was just watching a, a recently um, done little mini documentary about the water crisis in Flint on the Detroit Free Press just before we got on air. I mean, on on mm-hmm. the recording here. And uh, it's been something I've been talking about since it first happened on my own radio show on my on the um, oh, I'm, I'm on that. Sandy Land on Sirius. I, I've continued to talk about the uh, water crisis in Flint and mm. and just how you know dispiriting it's been. You know, for me personally, and and just for so many people. And, and they never went in there and fixed all that stuff. Well, they fixed it, but. People, I mean, the, the ramifications yeah. and the fallout from it are, are, are yeah. lifelong. I mean, yeah. you know, once you have lead poisoning, yeah. I don't think you ever get over it. And it just leads to all kinds of, you know, a cascade of, of medical conditions and health problems that can't be fixed. And I don't think the right people have ever been held accountable. That, that The governor at the time, that Rick Snyder is just a snake. Mm. I love snakes, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I hate using animal examples for how bad <laughs> he's just a he's just a prick. He's just a yeah. slimy prick. He's just insulting snakes all over. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> snakes do their thing, and snakes do good things. I mean, I, almost every animal and every beast and every insect does what they're supposed to do. We're the ones who can't seem to pull it together. Yeah, human species. So, and we have much we have more ability to do that and, and yet and yet we do it less so go figure yeah we have choice i mean a lot of the animals are running by instincts and we have choice but animals also have to accomplish something every day they got to get yeah. their food they got to find the place to sleep they got to recreate procreate and and you know they do it and sometimes they die sometimes they persevere but we're out here in our luxury lifestyles and we can't seem to get a grasp on just being, you know, uh, human and, yes. and humanitarian. It's just, it's, I find, I find the more intelligence, uh, you know, a, a species has, the, the less they're, they're able to like, you know, deal with, with, with what's in front of them. I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, but porpoises, if they're smart as they say they are, they kind of keep to themselves. Yeah, they know. That's the thing. Again, again animals, <laughs> creatures, they they have their, you know, their lane and they stay in it. They don't get out of their lane. And we go, we always go out of our lane to, to know, to, 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 to no avail. Um, do you have pets? Or- I have a dog. Yeah. Oh. George. George. He's a rescue, a rescue from Tennessee. What breed? We don't know. We just sent away for this. I mean, he wouldn't let us do the whole, you know, he wouldn't let us leave the swab in his mouth for 90 seconds. So it's like, what dog, what dog would lay there for 90 seconds and allow a swab to sit in their mouth? Mm. Okay. So I don't know what we got. And I don't know what, he'll probably come back as a cucumber. Or, I mean, sort of like, you know, 
a chicken. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what all got picked up on the swab, but I it was very little of his actual saliva. But he looks like he's part border terrier and part Brussels Griffon, and that has that, that which also has pug in it. And he's adorable and oh, smart, like- very yeah. smart. He's twenty pounds. Oh, okay. So like he's, hey. not, he's not that small. He's you know. Very smart, very high, high, high intelligence and very, very entertaining dog. I I just want to interject one. We're not done yet, but just Playhouse, Westport Playhouse, March 12th, westportplayhouse.org. We're going to try to post this tomorrow so people can get a chance to uh, preview of you. And uh, yeah, they should. They should get a preview and then come and see me on stage, you know, where everything comes. I mean, listen. We can do this till the end of time. It's it's convenient, but you know, coming to see somebody live is, I mean, that's what you want. That's what you want in yeah. life. We're here, we're here to interact and, and be with each other and you know, commune. And that's you know, that's why I, why I love performing live, and we'll always do it. Sing God willing, it. inshallah. So you mix the sing, you talk, you sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I sing. Um, singing was my first love and I thought that I was going to be just a singer and then people said well you're really funny you know take the comedy route and then add in the singing which is what I ended up doing and then it just sort of developed and evolved and you know became bigger and bigger and this show is a little more pared down like I said I'm only there with a piano player Uh, but most often I have a full band and you know it's uh, but you know what? Sometimes it's just nice to have an intimate, just piano and 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 vocal, and um, I feel like I can certainly engage the audience as much, if not more, when I'm just sort of me standing there. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of a daring, courageous thing because you work so well with people, you know, Letterman and the people you interact. I mean, you're just like shot out of a Cuisinart. I mean, you're just <laughs> all over the place, you know. Yeah, so, but I know. the audience. I miss those times. I miss the times where it was appointment viewing, you know, when, yeah. when you, that you stayed up to watch Letterman and you got to do things you can never do now. You can never pull it off because with TikTok and everybody's a star and everybody's outrageous. And it's like you go out and try to do some of the things I did back then, which were cutting edge, yeah. not only cutting edge, but I think intelligent and, and, the combination of me and, and David Letterman was, I think, really charming and funny and edgy. And, I, you know, it was all everything which just sort of like came together with the two of us. So they became little performance pieces. But you would never see that on, on a talk show now. It's, it's, it, they don't even register. On, they're not even on the radar. You might watch them the next day or a day later. But you're also watching it distracted by a hundred other things on your computer so it doesn't have the impact so to have still been a part of that time and in you know entertainment and in our history of having that very very focused Mm. experience not only for myself but for the audience you you forged relationships with your with your fans and your viewers in a way you can't do now and that's you know so that's why the live performing you know sort of kind of takes the place of you know what it used to be like to to do it everywhere we ever run carson yeah a couple of times i you know sometimes facebook shows me videos you know they read my mind uh, whatever and, and i look at these things you know 
and these these there's like three or four guys sitting there and they really give them time and, and a lot of it's a lot of you know you don't like you said you don't see that they're laughing they're saying stuff to each other cars yeah. interjecting and it lasts for about a long time it seems yeah for well there were, there were fewer commercials back then that's number yeah. one yeah number two there was a sense of camaraderie in the business and you got to know people over the years you know and 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 Johnny Carson had the, a lot of the same people on. He had almost like his ensemble of people he was comfortable with and had fun. He wanted to have fun. What? What? If if you're not in this business to have fun, what are you doing? I mean, it's absurd. <laughs> I, I I see so many people who just seem so like like hungry for like fame and acknowledgement and money, and it's like that was never the motivation for anybody I knew back at, when we started out. Yeah, we all wanted to be successful. We all wanted to be acknowledged and 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 celebrated. That's part of it. But for me personally, the main part was always like, God, I just love getting up. I love doing this. It's so much fun. You get to meet people, and you know, and and it's glamorous and crazy. I I just think so much of that has has just been, you know, crushed by just the nature of our our culture, and so. I'm lucky I got to do it and I still can do it in my own way. How, how would you rate yourself as a manicurist way back in the day? <laughs> well, I give myself an eight out of 10. I, you know, I mean, it was, again, it was a different time because you were, you were doing people's nails, manic, mani, petty when they're usually when they were under the dryer, because that's when women still got their hair set. So, and again, you know, they come to you. So you, week after week, you'd have a, you develop a relationship with these, like I was in Beverly Hills with these really great women. I'm still friends with some of them all these years later and they're amazing. Um, and yeah, it was just different. You know, there wasn't all the bells and whistles and fake nails. And you, you just gave, some, gave somebody a straight ahead mani petty and <clears throat> did a, a nice coat of polish and off they you, go. Did you try out material on anybody? Well, I just think I was taught, I was very, you know, of course, outgoing and, and, and fun to be with. So a lot of what, a lot of my material came out of conversations. I wasn't trying out material, but I was getting material. Oh yeah. Have you, have you ever um, pursued a role? Like you saw, you know, a, a films and pre-production or TV series and you go, oh, I'd like to play that part and you have your agent put your name out there. Oh, sure. I mean, that's part of, you know, <clears throat> part of the deal with your with your representation. But again, like I said earlier, um, everything is packaged now. So it's usually an agency. Um, they're usually or a management company. They're, they're, they're part of, of being on the production and they're the producers. They don't do anything in name alone. Yeah. And then they get their own people from the agency to star in the in the movies and so right now I'm really excited because I'm writing a, a TV project with my friend Judy Gold, who's oh, yeah. another comedian. And um, so we just got notes from her manager yesterday and we're gonna go back to the drawing board and um, revamp the, the pitch and the, and the um, uh, presentation and then, and then look for a producer and then go out and pitch it and hopefully get it set up. As a series uh, or a movie? A series. Uh, would you star in it as well? Yeah, Judy and I will play cousins. Oh. Yeah. Slightly cool. estranged, but thrown together. <laughs> yeah. 
set where in Hollywood or set in the Midwest? No, no, I can't say where it's set. I don't want to give you okay. an idea. It's because it's, yeah. it's a very, un, it's, a, it's, the, it's really, it's hitting the sweet spot of something right now. And I don't want to give okay. you know, anybody just, hear it. People, <laughs> people steal shit all the time. Oh, yeah. So if my math's right, you have a daughter that's 23 now? Is Correct. Correct. Oh, my math's pretty good. How is she? Is she in, is she following any of your kind of? She's, a, she's an artist, and she I think she's pursuing um, production and art design and film and television. Oh, that's what we do. Well, we do art design, but yeah. oh, really? We're both it's we're both visual art. artists. Yeah. But yeah. what do you do it for? Ourselves. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're we do it well. The public at large. No, we exhibit. We're exhibiting artists. Yeah, exhibit. Oh, okay. Well, you're, well, you're, you're, you're. Then you're like more like painters, visual artists, da da da. Photography. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Anyway, she's great. She's um, very, very smart. Very well read. Um, highly educated, and um, just a really unique, wonderful person. Yeah. And being a mother has had, you know, certainly. Um, been a wonderful um, addition to all my other experiences, but hasn't stopped me from doing, you know, what I do as a performer and an artist. So I've always been able to, you know, keep the two separate, but yet uh, been inspired and um, influenced by, by being a mother and having, you know, a, a, a wonderful kid. Outside of um, your one woman shows and, and the king of comedy, what, what, what's your favorite, one of your favorite, most favorite experiences uh, in, in a series or a, a film? That um, you, well, you know, some of my own work, my, my one woman show that was turned into a, a film, um, Without You I'm Nothing, which is not part of the Criterion collection. So I'm very, very proud of that. Mm. Um, and of course, being on the original Roseanne series and... Yeah. You know, was which back in the day was very cutting edge and a lot of fun. Um, and just all the guest starring things I've done over the years. And, and most recently, my recurring role on Pose, oh, yeah. which was also a groundbreaking show. And, um, you know, I'm just taking it day by day and we'll see how it all falls together. I got to jump off in a minute. Okay. I have some other stuff to do today, but it was a delight speaking to you. I'm I'm very excited to be coming out to uh, to the Westport Playhouse and um, hoping a lot of people show up and you know and enjoy the show and 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 have a sense of uh, a, a, a normalcy, but not not boring, not bore, boring and predictable. You know, yeah. something something new to. to get us back to what, what we enjoy doing in life. Yeah, thank well, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, and I hope your, your eye heals up and everything is good yeah. with you both. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, everybody. Whoever, whoever else is behind the scenes. Just us, it's just us. <laughs> just you cats. We have a, like a cast of thousands, but they're <laughs> not. But today, only you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Okay, guys, have a good day. Yeah.